Welcome back to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And today I am actually going to be interviewing Bridget in a special edition for our podcast so that you all can get to know us and our healing journeys. So of course, one of the questions that we always ask every guest and including ourselves is, Bridget, what is healing to you and what does it look like? So for me, healing is unearthing my authentic self. So what that means for me is taking away the layers that have been placed upon me or that I have placed upon myself that are barriers to me becoming or stepping into my authentic self. So that has looked like reparenting my inner child. That has looked like speaking up for myself. That has looked like changing my inner dialogue to be a cheerleader rather than a really nasty, mean coach. Healing for me is a process. That is continuing. It is changing habits. It is changing brain chemistry. And it is addressing the stories that I have told myself about myself and rewriting them. So, my healing journey, it's been ongoing. So, the first time that I went to therapy, I was 18 years old. I have been in and out of therapy most of my life. And I have been on and off antidepressant medication for a good portion of my life. But I would say that I had my breakdown slash breakthrough, the catalyst for the most intense transformation of my life in 2015, when I really began to address the patterns of trauma from childhood that I then repeated in adulthood and that I was using unhealthy mechanisms to numb. So I was a workaholic and a caretaker and I was addicted to nicotine and I probably drank too much and I had shared I'd been on and off antidepressant medication. So I really was trying to push through what I had experienced in order to appear the way I thought I was supposed to appear, to be strong in the ways I thought I was supposed to be strong, to show up as successful and the best mom, the wife, all of the things that I thought would bring me happiness. And instead, I was intensely miserable. In fact, I was suicidal. And it all came to a crashing rock bottom in October slash November of 2015. You know what I noticed that you said that I'm just now putting two and two together? 2015 is very pivotal for the both of us in our healing journeys. Yes. I wonder what was going on in the stars. I know. You know what? I mean, like, 
That makes so much sense now. We'll have to look into that. Yeah, we will. So you started at 18 therapy for the first time. That was 1994 was the first time I went to therapy. So that's many years. Yeah. Here's a good story about that experience. The reason that I went to therapy was because I had experienced a sexual assault and after that experienced an extreme depression and suicidal ideation. And so I was put on medication and I was sent to a therapist. And I remember clearly going to the therapist and her looking at me and go, you must be feeling better. And I was like, why do you say that? She goes, you're wearing makeup. And I knew immediately, I'm like, that's it. That's how I fix it. And I learned over and over again how to appear on the outside, put together, while on the inside it was not okay. And so between 1994 and 2015, that's essentially what I did. I did whatever I needed to do to appear okay on the outside when I wasn't okay on the inside. I had a lot of experiences during that time that actually re-traumatized where I was repeating patterns of abuse from childhood with romantic partners. And I put on the face that I needed to for the world and was not okay on the inside. In 2015, when I did go to treatment, at that point, I had a high-powered job, making good money, had a house, had a car, had all the things that society says you're supposed to have at 39 years old. And I was harming myself daily and multiple times a day. I would leave a business meeting in a suit to go to the bathroom to hurt myself to walk back to a meeting that I was leading. Like it was that level of insanity, really, where I could not function because I hated myself that intensely. I felt like I was an absolute fraud, that I was a failure, that the appearance that I was giving to everyone else was absolutely like a lie. I couldn't abide in myself, in my own skin. I actually went to a parking lot in downtown Dayton and I got my nine millimeter out and I pointed it. I was in the car by myself. I imagined in this empty parking lot that they would find me in the morning and uh, I was done. And the only reason, the only reason that I didn't go through with it is because in a flash, I pictured what would happen if I failed and I'd be maimed for life. And the idea of being like hideous to look at made me not do it. Vanity saved my life. I didn't go get help that night. I instead asked somebody to hold on to my weapon for me and not give it back to me. But I didn't go for help. I didn't really tell anyone. And I'm not sure that this person that I gave the weapon to really understood either. Because I seemed fine to everyone. Because I had spent 20 years learning how to appear fine when I wasn't fine. So I continued with self-harm and suicidal ideation until I finally couldn't take it anymore. And my sister, who lived in Arizona at the time, and I lived in Ohio, I was on the phone with her and I admitted to her what was going on. And she refused to get off the phone until I agreed to get help. Now. I knew that I had some wounds 
but I did not want medication. I have been on medication, like I said, multiple times in my life and sometimes years at a time. I wasn't consciously aware of just how deep the core wounds were, but I knew that I had some stuff. Most people don't go into the bathroom and hurt themselves after a business meeting. Like, I knew that I was not okay. So she and I together found a place that was non-medical. It was holistic. So they had yoga and Reiki and group meditation and therapy with like horses and all these things that I had never heard of before, but sounded like it would be a good fit. And the next morning I called them and did their interview. And two weeks later, I checked myself in. And it was um, a week before Thanksgiving in 2015. I told my boss that I'd be gone for two weeks and told my team I'd be gone for two weeks. It was over the holiday, so that seemed okay. It wasn't two weeks. It was eight weeks, and I quit my job before I left. I knew that I couldn't go back. I needed to make my healing my number one priority. So I learned a lot about myself. I had what I would call my awakening there at the Holistic Treatment Center on 126 acres or something in Kentucky. And I returned a different person. I, a lot of times, will describe things as kind of visuals. So it felt to me like I had built a brick dam in my mind. And behind the dam was every tear I had never cried. So every tragedy, I had simply built a wall and put all of that emotion behind the wall. And what had happened leading up to treatment was the cracks had started forming in that wall. And I had tried to patch them and they were breaking through. And so the water was like breaking through this wall in my mind. And what it really was, was all of the pain. And so what happened in treatment was I let that wall burst. And all of the feelings that I had stuck down deep in the depths came out. And I cried every day for eight weeks. I allowed myself to feel what I hadn't felt. And I mourned. I mourned the childhood that I didn't have. I mourned the young woman who believed that she had to accept unthinkable things in order to be accepted. And so when I came home, I felt like the entire life I had built had been washed away by this river that had flooded. All that was left was this like fertile soil, but there was nothing built on it. And so I felt like I had planted a seed and I was this tiny little seedling and anything that happened felt like a hurricane because I was just a little seedling, like a child, like I felt like a child. But I also knew that I had the capability of growing into an oak and that what I needed to do was to dig roots. So the treatment place had told me that, like they had sent me home with this care packet of all the things that I needed to do in order to stay on track with my healing. Because frankly, it would have been easier to just go back to like numbing all of these feelings that seemed to be coming in waves. When I came back, I made biweekly appointments with a the therapist. So I was seeing someone twice a week and I was going to group therapy twice a month. 
and I went to daily 12-step meetings. So my room of choice was adult children of alcoholic and dysfunctional homes. And talk about basically about reparenting and about the inner child. So the idea there is that childhood trauma changes our view of the world in pretty significant ways. And depending on the type of childhood trauma, it shows up in our adulthood. And reparenting is treating yourself in the way that you needed to be parented so that you can address those core wounds of childhood. So I did that. I did 90 meetings in 90 days. And I made myself a priority. And because I did that, I lost all of the material possessions that I had prior. Because treatment is really expensive. And not having a job is really expensive. And therapy twice a week is really expensive. Now, I feel privileged. I am privileged. And I am keenly aware that I did have the resources. I had a house I could sell. I had the resources to be able to give that gift to myself. And eventually, it ran out. I spent some time in 2016 without an address. I like to say home free instead of homeless, but essentially it's the same thing. Luckily, I had the opportunity to stay with my sister for a time. I had friends that let me crash with them. And eventually I got to the point where I had enough of a small income to rent a room. There are so many beautiful things that happened during that time as well. We talk about healing being incredibly difficult and at the same time incredibly beautiful. And the friendships and the tribe that I got to be a part of and join and connect with people in real authentic ways during that time has been so incredibly enriching. Well, first and foremost, Bridget, I mean, the word that comes to my mind is just like, just pure resilience. I mean, I think it's amazing to hear your story and just to see where you are today and how you journey through I mean, just the amount of strength that you had that you probably didn't even know that you had, because it takes a lot of strength. I mean, like prior to therapy, prior to treatment, in treatment, the picture you painted was so beautiful with the dam and how it was starting to have cracks and it was just seeping through, letting you know, like, hey, there are some things that we need to heal, some things that we need to deal with. And so... One of the things that I think is kind of really important for people who are in similar situations or have been situations to understand is just like in treatment, where did you find the strength to heal and to deal and to like finally feel the feelings of all the pain that you had endured to that point? That's a really great question. So for me, the hardest part was admitting that I needed help and going to get help. That was the hardest part. Society tells us that asking for help in that level of leaving your children to go and deal with mental health means you're a failure. And so 
overcoming that and admitting that I was a failure, which is what I had to do, was really, really hard. I also knew somewhere in my core that if I didn't, I would die. I already was like thinking about it, obsessively thinking about death, about ways to do it. I mean, I had planned. I knew that my life depended on it. It was six hours away. When I drove the six hours, I did check in on a Sunday morning and I drove down, or maybe it was Monday morning, doesn't matter. I drove down the night before and I got a hotel and I almost didn't go the next morning. I'm like, I'm just going to drive home. I'm not doing this. But once I did, the first thing they do is they have you sign all this paperwork and they make it very clear what you're signing. You can't leave. Essentially, you're promising. I mean, you can leave. You're promising not to leave. For me, they're like, you can't hurt yourself. I had hurt myself the morning before I went. And they were like, you hurt yourself and we're kicking you out because we're not medical. We can't treat you. All of these things, all these rules. And you agree. You're signing this contract. You're telling us you're going to do these things. And it was like, because they're so clear about it, it kind of feels like they just hit you with a two by four. Like you're here and you're agreeing. Now here you go. And then it's kind of like a whirlwind of like they check your bags and you're in a dorm with other people. And it's weird. It's just a whole like rush of stuff all at once. But what I told myself in that moment was I couldn't trust myself. I couldn't trust myself because I was actively trying to destroy myself. So I made a decision when I checked in that I was going to trust professionals. If I go and get my hair done, I tell the hairdresser, you're the expert. I trust you. And I did that with these professionals. I trusted me to them. And sometimes they would tell me things that I would be so angry about. They told me at one point I wasn't allowed to read any more books. I was so mad. Why can't I read books? Well, you know what? I was reading books about childhood abuse and throwing up. They had a library there, right? And it's like books about stuff. And I was triggering myself by reading books. But at the time, I was like, I want to learn. I want to know all the things. They said I couldn't read books and I was mad. But I listened to them and I probably didn't need to be reading that stuff. They also made me eat. They said, you have to eat three meals a day. And at that point in my life, I hadn't been eating. When I say like self-loathing, like I was doing all kinds of terrible things to myself to include not eating. And I was mad that they made me sit down and eat three meals a day. But I needed that. I needed that level of care. And gradually, my anger transformed into gratitude. The truth is, all of the 12-step programs talk about surrender. Many healing modalities talk about surrender. Surrender to a higher power. Surrender to the healing process. Surrender to the teachers. And that's what I did. I surrendered. And I did everything they told me to do. I'm so glad that even though you didn't trust yourself, you trusted them to nurture you back to good health. It's almost like 
you did. You had a rebirth. You talked about the seed, like you being a seedling. You had a rebirth after first being nourished back to health and learning the things that you needed to do to fill your cup, which then gave you the strength to go and plant the seed, which was yourself, to have a rebirth into the oak tree that you're blossoming into. Still, you talked about reparenting also. So like they taught you almost a form of like reparenting yourself of how to really care for yourself. Absolutely, they did. In fact, they used a technique where they give you a stuffed animal that you treat as your inner child. So you name this stuffed animal your inner child. It's a therapeutic technique where then you start to identify the ways in which you treat yourself in here versus you would treat an external child-like thing, right? And so it starts to create that contrast. So you can say, would you say to a child the things you're saying to yourself? So they did really teach me and give me incredible tools that I could take home and use all these different tools in my toolbox, meditation, yoga, talk therapy. I actually did EMDR, which is a whole another modality, journaling, coloring, actually like coloring and coloring books, getting outside, talking to your inner child, asking yourself, how old do you feel right now? Why do you feel that age? What happened at that age? Going back to that time. When I say I didn't trust myself, I mean, the reason that I didn't trust myself is because of trauma. So The trauma that I experienced in childhood includes religious abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. And so from a very young age, I separated from myself. In fact, I had an imaginary friend that stored memory for me. So I actually had a personality disorder, which is what you would call it, as a young child in order to protect myself. So that that other version of me, that imaginary child, held the traumas that I couldn't hold. So the abuse was enough that I very young learned how to shut off. Because if I didn't learn how to shut off, I couldn't have endured it. So then in adulthood, because I didn't heal that, and because I had really shut off from my authentic self, I was operating in the personalities that I created to protect myself. And for me, because I was the oldest and I had become a caretaker young, I lived in a caretaker mode. And I lived in a caretaker mode that believed that I deserved to be hurt because that was what love looked like for me. What love looked like as a child was the person that you trusted hit you. And so I picked partners who treated me the same way my parents treated me. I did not know until I went to treatment what gaslighting over many, many years does to you. But what gaslighting over many, many years does to you is it literally creates an inner dialogue that gaslights yourself. I could not trust my own thoughts because my own thoughts were gaslighting me and telling me that I was absolutely worthless. At the same time that I was trying to get everyone on the outside to like me as the caretaker. The idea that 
Healing is trusting yourself. I had to have other people teach me how to trust myself because I had taken on the role of my own abuser in my head, which is more common than I think society wants us to believe. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. I think in short, we say hurt people hurt people, right? So people do unto others what has been done unto them, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And a lot of times it's unconscious. People don't know until someone calls them out about it. But we see it every day, right? We live in a society where hurt people are literally hurting people. We see it in business. We see it in community. We see it in relationships. We see it everywhere, which is why being able to create spaces like this where we are giving a different narrative, which is, no, we're not going to continue to operate hurt. We're going to heal the hurt so that we can heal people who heal people who heal people. We want to create that positive feedback loop instead of a negative feedback loop. And it's more people who are hurting others and perpetuating that than those who are healing. But that's why the work personally, that you and I are doing, as well as what we're doing on this platform is so important. So we've heard about kind of like your journey up into this point. And because we are friends and we are partners, and because we're on this healing journey together, and we help each other and support each other, I know that you are a completely different person today. And so Where has your healing led you? Where are you today? How has a lot of that healing the trauma allowed you to experience love and more healing and abundance and just all the good positive things? That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Wow. I have had some really incredibly beautiful experiences between the awakening of 2015 and today. It has been a journey to change my mind, to change the recordings. So in the beginning, it was really intense. It was every day. It was mantras. It was identifying triggers. It was, it was work. It was work every day. And I made me number one for an entire year. So in that year, I made some incredible friendships and, and connections. And then I started sharing my stories. I started sharing poetry and I started writing stories and I got on stage. And because of that, because of the willingness to share vulnerably these stories in a very public way, I won storytelling competitions and got asked to share my poetry. And I started a business that shares the art of storytelling. And that business came out of this very personal healing process of getting on stage, facing that incredible fear. I mean, like sharing vulnerably about what has happened in my life to people one-on-one is hard. To get up on stage and out loud say things that I have done or I've experienced really challenged me. But at the same time, what I found over and over again was this 
warm, loving acceptance for the realness that I have experienced. And so I started a business where I help other people to do the same thing. And I have had the incredible honor to be a witness to other people's healing through sharing their stories. I have had people share their stories about trauma that they experienced in front of other people on stage that they haven't shared with their families. They come and they take a four-week course with other people and they learn how to craft something that was difficult into a story of triumph that then inspires other people. So I have had this opportunity to just be involved. And honestly, I say I'm a witness to greatness. I get to witness that healing process. It's incredible. I have had the opportunity to travel across the country and in Europe because I don't have the same level of fear that I did before. And I'm also willing to like travel cheap and camp. I've had like some really incredible experiences that before I would have been too fearful to do. And I now am in a healthy, intimate relationship that I could not have imagined before. So at the beginning of my healing journey, I was intentionally single and celibate for a period of time. When I started dating, I was intentionally kind of distant, didn't want to dive in. I did have one brief experience with dating that I recognized after about four months that I was repeating patterns and it sent me back to therapy again. I was like, oh, I'm doing this codependence thing again. And so then I was single and celibate again to really examine. And key, I knew that being in a relationship was going to be work. And I knew that I could not choose that without having a foundation because so much of my trauma happened in intimate relationships and with my parents who are models for intimate relationships, that reprogramming that part was going to require work on my part, but it also was going to require work on my partner's part. It was going to have to be somebody who was willing to do that work. And I have been in that relationship for almost three years now, be three years in March. And the work, the deep dive definitely is there but the love is there too. And I didn't know what love looked like. In fact, I have had to find ways to say I love you that don't say I love you because I feel like those words were tainted for me. The words I love you didn't mean love. They meant expectation. They meant abuse. They meant manipulation. And so I have found new language because this relationship it's so incredibly supportive and beautiful, frankly, and challenging at the same time because it makes me look at my shit. So yes, that breakdown slash breakthrough and the work that I did after it was the hardest thing that I have ever done in my life. And I've done some hard shit. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it has brought me to this incredible place of self-love and acceptance, of intimate love and acceptance, and rewarding career. Like all of these things that honestly, I could not have imagined. 
when I was in treatment, I was literally looking an hour ahead, six hours ahead, a day ahead. I couldn't envision anything. And so when I finally got to the point where I'm like, what's the life that I want to create? Even then I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine just how beautiful it is. So I'm not willing to accept that this is the level, right? I am not even going to try to imagine it. I'm just going to ask what's possible and let's see what's possible because it's beautiful. Yes. Bridget, I started to tear up just because like I've heard your story before, but like hearing you say it is always just is very so moving. But then to just see where you are today and the love that surrounds you, the trials and the, and the trauma that we endure, it really does always turn into triumph if we can find the strength to endure and to move past and to get through. Because the things that you have created that helps other people now with Lore, I mean, you had Empower Her before. I think that's kind of when I first met you. And you've used your trauma and your trials to really triumph yourself, to move you forward. You've used the pain to create safe spaces for other people because you know what it's like and you can resonate with people. And so it's so beautiful. And to just see you experience abundance and love, healthy love, it's really beautiful. And I'm so happy for you. And I'm just so grateful to be your partner in tears, highs, and transformation for us to be able to create these safe spaces for other women to create tribes and to model what it looks like to heal and to be resilient and to trust the process because what's on the other side is so beautiful. I mean, it's just, I couldn't imagine doing it with a better person. And so I'm so happy for people to hear your journey, your real story about healing where you were, but where you are now, and just hearing you talk about being open to experiencing more abundance. I mean, because that's such a shift. It's such a shift. And so I thank you for sharing your story with all of us. And so I want to ask, you know, of course, what advice would you leave with people about the healing journey, about your experience for other people to get through and to be open to the possibility of more. My advice or my encouragement would be, it is never too late. You are never too far gone. It is always the right time and you're worth it. And that part, the you're worth it part, you got to just believe me if you don't believe it yourself. Because Once you start the work, you'll realize the truth of it, which is that you're worth it. You have to trust me or whoever else in your life is telling you you're worth it. You have to trust first that we're right so that you can figure it out for yourself. And the journey isn't going to be easy, but it's going to be so worth it. You're worth it. The journey's worth it. And it's a beautiful process. I call it the river of darkness, the river of doubt, to cross from one shore to the other. And you have to swim it yourself. There'll be people that have swam it before that'll be on the other side cheering for you. And there'll be people encouraging you. And there'll be maybe people in the water, but you got to swim it yourself. 
once you're in it, you only need to get a few feet away from the shore of toxicity to realize that, like, even when you're in the middle of the river and you don't know what the other side is, you know you don't want to go back. It's like, even when times are really tough and you're like, why the hell did I choose this? You know you don't want to go back. And here's one piece of advice that a, a therapist gave me that was incredible. He said to me, the experience, meaning the trauma, didn't kill you. Healing from it certainly will not. And I needed to hear that because sometimes reliving the experience in order to transform it feels like you're going to die, but you're not. You already lived through the really tough part. Now you just got to love yourself. That's good, Bridget. It has been such a pleasure to hear your story. And I know that our guests in our audience are going to be able to resonate. And they've had an opportunity to get a little bit closer with us in hearing our stories because we didn't create this platform just for nothing. (laughs) We actually have experienced our own trauma and that's why it is so near and dear to our hearts. So I thank you for sharing your story, your trials, your trauma, and your triumph, most importantly. And I think we're so excited for the more that's to come. And so this has been our special episode with one of our amazing and phenomenal and most resilient co-hosts, Bridget. And we thank you for joining us. And we hope that this gets us all closer so that you can really understand that everyone has a story. And with that, this is Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. Thank you. I see through life. I see through tides. Carry on through the years. Transform through the tears. The audacity of you going through it all. The audacity of you trusting self all along. I see.